Hello, High Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the book of Isaiah. And yesterday we talked about how sometimes we miss the story that's really going on. And today we're going to see God revealing a part of the story that they did not yet know. And so we are in Isaiah chapter 41. We'll do verses 1 through 13 and then 19 through the end of the chapter. So we are in Isaiah 41 where we read this. Listen in silence before me, you lands beyond the sea. Bring your strongest arguments. Come now and speak. The court is ready for your case. Who has stirred up this king from the east, rightly calling him to God's service? Who gives this man victory over many nations and permits him to trample their kings underfoot? With his sword, he reduces armies to dust. With his bow, he scatters them like chaff before the wind. He chases them away and goes on safely, though he is walking over unfamiliar ground. Who has done such mighty deeds, summoning each new generation from the beginning of time? It is I, the Lord, the first and the last. I alone am he. The lands beyond the sea watch in fear. Remote lands tremble and mobilize for war. The idol makers encourage one another, saying to each other, Be strong. The carver encourages the goldsmith and the molder helps at the anvil. Good, they say. It's coming along fine. Carefully they join the parts together, then fasten the thing in place so it won't fall over. But as for you, Israel my servant, Jacob my chosen one, descended from Abraham my friend, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, all your angry enemies lie there, confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you, will die and come to nothing. You will look in vain for those who tried to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing, for I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. I am doing this so all will all who see this miracle will understand what it means, that it is the Lord who has done this, the Holy One of Israel who created it, Present the case for your idols, says the Lord. Let them show what they can do, says the King of Israel. Let them try to tell us what happened long ago so that we may consider the evidence. Or let them tell us what the future holds so we can know what's going to happen. Yes, tell us what will occur in the days ahead. Then we will know you are gods. In fact, do anything, good or bad. Do something that will amaze and frighten us. But no, you are less than nothing and can do nothing at all. Those who choose you pollute themselves. But I have stirred up a leader who will approach from the north. From the east he will call on my name. I will give him victory over kings and princes. He will trample them as a potter treads on clay. Who told you from the beginning that this would happen? Who predicted this, making you admit that he was right? No one said a word. I was the first to tell Zion. Look, help is on the way. I will send Jerusalem a messenger with good news. Not one of your idols told you this. Not one gave any answer when I asked. See, they are all foolish, worthless things. All your idols are as empty as the wind. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, God here is holding court and he is uh, taking uh, taking to task their uh, his own people and people, other people as well, their trust in idols, their trust in other gods, their trust in anything but Lord. And the court opens with a typical court where there's a 
call for silence and and God is going to be the judge and 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 call up this case and and the first piece of evidence he brings up is who has stirred up this king from the east which is referring to the initial king that's there's two kings being referred to here the first king is babylon the whole reason that that israel is in captivity in the first place so they might think that you know babylon is powerful but god's pointing out look i'm the one who called babylon up in the first place like Remember all the 39 chapters that we just read of Isaiah? This has all been laid out by God in advance. So, uh, you know, who else has been able to do that? No one. And then he compares himself to the idols and all the other nations. All they have is idols. And they have to work really hard to craft their idols. And they have to work really hard just to make sure that they don't fall over. It's kind of like God poking fun at how pathetic the, uh, the idols are and as something to trust in. But you don't have to worry about them because, you know, he says, you, Israel, are, are a chosen servant. I've called you. I've chosen you. I'm going to protect you in my hand. You don't have to worry. Those who attack you will come to nothing. And you think about this. One of the amazing uh, facts of history is, you know, where are the Assyrians today? I mean, there are still people living in that region, but as a people in a culture, they're gone. Uh, where are the Babylonians today? You know, there are Iran you know, Iranians and Iraqis and all that, but but none of the Babylonian people as a culture still exist today. They're, these empires are gone. But Israel, this tiny little nation, this like postage stamp sized country in the Middle East still exists as if by a miracle. And the fact that you can get falafel on Haifa Street in Tel Aviv today, I really think is nothing short of miraculous. I don't think anyone could have with human vision predicted this would happen. But uh, back in verse 21, we're back in court. And God again says, present the case for your idols, you know, let them tell the past or the future. In fact, let them do anything at all, you know, let them amaze us. And of course, they're not going to do that. In contrast, God says, let me show you what I'm going to do. I'm already stirring up, God says, and a leader in the north and the east, someone who calls on his name. Now, he seems to be hinting here at Cyrus of, of the Cyrus of, of Medes, of Media, who is going to be the one who conquers Babylon and Cyrus will have these visions from God and will allow the people to return to Israel. We're going to read more about that but th about that later. But here, this is happening before anyone else knows. It's like God is giving them news that not even Babylon knows, that there is this king who's being raised up, who's going to bring an end to their captivity in Babylon. And of course, uh, historically, we can now read about this on the Cyrus cylinder. It's uh, it's amazing that some of these artifacts survive, but like you have this complete Cyrus cylinder that talks about the whole visions of that Cyrus had and and the edicts that he 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 gave so that the people could return to their land. So none of your idols are going to tell you this. God alone is able to reveal this uh, future and give meaning to your past. And so it's amazing how God is able to say, you know what? All the stuff that we read about in the past chapter about how God is going to give you strength, how God is the one who's truly strong, God is now displaying it not through poetry, but through predictive history. God is laying this out and, and letting them look behind the scenes to see the story that is unfolding. And I imagine this had to be an incredible comfort to them, especially as it came to pass. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage. Well, I want to pick up some of the things you said, but before I do, I just want to start off by looking at verse one that you read. It's, um, uh, you said, bring your strongest arguments. Come now and speak. The court is ready for your case. And I, I think that so often we feel a little sheepish about our doubts that we better keep those quiet. You know, we can't, there's, you know, we, we've got to be so respectful of God that we can't 
we can't talk to about hard things. So we'll talk to people about hard questions that we have about God, but we rarely bring those, or sometimes we can be reluctant to bring those to God. And, and yet here we see God saying, bring your strongest arguments. Come at me. Come at me. Let's talk about this. And I think that so oftentimes when, when people are praying, in fact, my spiritual director will tell me this uh, from time to time. As I'm kind of bringing up something, it's a hard question. I say, great. That's a, that's a really great question. Bring that to God in prayer. And, and instead of not praying, because I've got this hard question, no, that's exactly the thing to pray about. Uh, and so anyway, I just think that, that so many of us is we have things we're angry about or worried about or you know, doubting, wondering about, you know, this kind of thing. Talk to God about all of that. And I think that's, uh, you know, I, I, I picked that up here again in, in verse uh, verse one. But then, uh, you know, I like, you're right. He, there is sort of a, a little bit of talking trash to the, to the, uh, the kind of the, the, people who make the idols, you know what I mean? They, it's sort of the religion that they can control. And so he's like, oh, to make sure it doesn't fall over, you know, got to make it just right because it's so pathetically inanimate, right? That it, it you know, it has no ability to do anything. Um, and you you already uh, kind of tipped a hand a little bit. Uh, God says, one of the interesting challenges that he makes to these idols, um, verse, let's see, is it 22? Yeah. Um, he says, you know, let them show what they can do. God is saying about the idols. Let them try to tell us what happened long ago so we can consider the evidence. You know, let about this stuff. And so we can look at the fossil record or, you know, whatever it is. We can look in history. Or let them tell us what the future holds so we can know what's going to happen. Yes. Tell us what will occur in the days ahead. Then we'll know that you're gods. In fact, do anything, good or bad. Right, do something that will amaze and frighten us. But no, you you're less than nothing. You do nothing at all, and so you know, there, there's that talking smack. But now, what God does is He does the very thing that He says they can't do, which is to say this. He, he in verse uh, 25, I have stirred up a leader who will approach from the north, from the east. He will call on my name. So, all right, somebody from the northeast. And, and as you said already, we're going to find out in verse uh, or in, uh, chapter 44 that this is Cyrus, King Cyrus. Um, why is this so interesting? I mean, you know, okay, whatever, history. Okay, this is why this is really interesting. If, if the traditional date, if the date of Isaiah was written when we think Isaiah was written, you know, kind of the, 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 the time prior to the cap Babylonian captivity and then the beginning of the Babylonian captivity, if this was written then, Cyrus wasn't born yet, which means Cyrus does not have the name Cyrus yet. There's no way he could ever have known. It would be impossible. So many scholars then have said, oh, well, see, Isaiah couldn't have been written that early because there's no way anybody could have known. But this is actually the very point. And so it's only in retrospect that people will look back and go, oh, my goodness. This is exactly what God said which then validates that it was God speaking through Isaiah in all of this. Uh, and so that's why that's such an interesting uh, interesting issue. God does not do this very often, right? But does it this time? Now, is it that God's able to look into the future and go, who's going to, oh, look, it's Cyrus. Okay, then he comes back in time, you know, tell, tell the people in this time. No, that's not it. That would be one kind of flex, right? The fact that he's able to kind of see into the future and all that. That'd be pretty impressive already. 
But I actually think what God is doing is, is something more impressive. He's saying, I'm, I'm telling you this because I'm going to make it happen. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise somebody. And so it's the difference between if I, you know, I tell my kids, hey, tonight it's going to rain. It, you know, if I had gone in, into the future and I saw that it's raining, I come back and tell them, well, okay, they'd, they'd be mildly impressed. I think they'd be pretty impressed right? if I <laughs> tell them for sure, especially in New England where, you know, I guess people make up stuff all the time, but about the weather. But if, if, I, if I could do that reliably, the kids would be impressed. It's a very different thing if I say, yeah, it's going to rain because I'm going to make it rain. Right. You can hear that's a fundamentally different kind of claim. And I think that's what God is doing. And it's not just I'm going to do this with a, a king of Israel. I'm going to do this in another culture, in another language with another people. I am going to prove and I'm going to raise this person up to be a king and, and actually bring deliverance. That's how you'll know that I am not like any of your false idols, any of these other silly gods. Anyway, I think this is a pretty kind of, I don't know, pretty interesting part of the scripture that we don't get to talk about very much. What hmm. do you think about all that, John? Well, and, and like I said, I especially love the fact that we have the Cyrus cylinder so we can read like from Cyrus's own perspective, Cyrus's own royal decrees and words, the fact that, you know, he didn't know God by the name Yahweh, but that he was called by God to free all these different people and, and send them back home and allow them to worship their gods and specifically had uh, interaction with uh, the people who reestablished um, the temple and the the kingdom in Israel. So it's a pretty amazing thing to see play out in history. Yeah. Well, I think this is a kind of a cool passage that I just don't think gets enough attention. Um, but I, I think, I guess, friends, I just want us to just sit back in awe of who God is and what God can do. Uh, I hope that's what you're capturing today. Anyway, John, maybe you could pray, pray uh, as we close today. Yeah. Oh, good and gracious God. Uh, we thank you that history is your story. Whatever else is going on, we know that you are in control of history and you are working out your purposes. Lord, give us eyes to, to see this, to hold on to it, and to uh, be able to hold firmly to you through uh, the waves that come our way. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're so glad you joined us for this week. Uh, I'm going to be preaching this Sunday on judgment. If that doesn't make you excited, I don't know what does. Uh, I, I'm hoping it's going to be really good news. Uh, and then we'll be back here either way on Monday, uh, picking back up with the, the story of what God's doing through Isaiah. So we look forward to seeing you then.